This is The Guardian. I'm Laura Murphy-Oates, coming to you from Gadigal Land, and this is The Voice Ask Me Anything, a special series from Full Story where we take your questions about the Indigenous voice to Parliament and put them to people who have the answers. With polling day fast approaching, the polls show that the no vote is leading in most states. In this episode, Indigenous writers and campaigners with different stances on The Voice discuss how Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander views are being misrepresented and why the no vote is on the rise. There's always been this zero-sum campaigning around First Nations people in Australia. It's never bound to be true. And so this is something that we've always had to come up against, the idea that we have special treatment and special rights. It's Thursday, the 17th of August. Tired of ads barging into your favourite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free. Or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Finding your perfect home was hard, but thanks to Burrow, furnishing it has never been easier. Burrow's easy to assemble modular sofas and sectionals are made from premium, durable materials, including stain and scratch resistant fabrics. So they're not just comfortable and stylish, they're built to last. Plus, every single Burrow order ships free right to your door. Right now, get 15% off your first order at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's 15% off at burrow.com slash ACAST. Today, I'm joined by Guardian Australia's Chief Political Correspondent, Paul Karp. Welcome, Paul. Hi, Laura. Also, our underwriter and commentator, Celeste Little. Welcome, Celeste. Hi, how are you going? And we're also joined by Widgeable Weeble Bundjalung woman, Larissa Baldwin-Roberts, who is the CEO of progressive activist group GetUp. Welcome, Larissa. Hey, Laura. So there is a lot of interest from our listeners about the low polling for the Yes campaign. One listener has written in asking, why, oh, why is the no vote leading in nearly every state? I want to go to you, Larissa. You run campaigns for a living. Looking at this polling, is the Yes campaign failing? On polling, yes, but I think there are lots of different ways to kind of bring into what is actually a winning campaign and what is a good campaign. I think the Yes campaign doesn't have all of those ingredients and sadly the No campaign is kind of hitting viral moments. How do you change that though, Larissa? Because, you know, the Yes 23 says that it has more than 200 community supporter groups. They have 20,000 grassroots volunteers and they've stood up what they say is the largest campaign this country has ever seen in a relatively short period of time. What more could they be doing? I would say on those metrics, that isn't the largest campaign this country has ever seen. Like that's kind of a typical mobilisation around an election. And if you look at something like marriage equality, the postal survey, look at the amount of kind of offline decentralised events that people were just having in their communities. You think about walking down the streets full of bunting, people putting signs up, making their own signs and those types of things. So even within an election campaign, you kind of see that build up. It's lacking a bit of that, lacking a bit of visibility. Um, It was interesting to see some different messaging research and that sort of stuff. And they're talking about that 
the kind of middle of Australia voters when issues reach them and talking about how there isn't a lot of empathy, but that is something that's really kind of atypical when you're talking about campaigning on First Nations justice. Like you can't expect the country is going to be as empathetic as they are going to be on something like marriage equality and love is love and those types of things. They don't have the same lived experience. They don't know First Nations people the same way. And sometimes if you look at the status quo messages out there, particularly in conservative media and kind of the damage that was done around the Howard era, that messaging uh, is really persuasive and really stigmatised and ingrained in the Australian psyche around how they talk about First Nations people. So that is also prevalent in this campaign and splitting people as well. I want to go to some of that polling because it does break down the reasons why people are voting no. Paul, can you tell us about what the polling shows? So last year, uh, the yes side had a had a very handy lead, sort of 65-35, but there's been an overall trend downwards and now the no is ahead. In our latest Guardian Essential poll, uh, it was 47% do not support the Indigenous voice in the Constitution, 43% do support it, and then there's 10% who are unsure and the essential poll does not force them to pick one one side or the other. Concerningly, uh, in a referendum when you need both a majority of voters and a majority of states, so four out of the six, we're now seeing a dynamic where in essential it's just uh, Victoria where yes is in the lead. There's also a resolve poll in the Sydney Morning Herald where it's just Victoria and Tasmania mm. where yes is in the lead. So the polls suggest that if... Uh, the referendum were held this weekend, that it would struggle on both fronts, the majority and the majority uh, of states. Uh, but, you know, the Albanese government is saying it's not time to panic, that the internal polls are slightly better and uh, that, you know, with with a big campaign in, in the lead up to referendum day, they hope to focus people's minds on the actual question uh, that's on the ballot mm. and not a lot of extraneous issues that they say have been introduced into the debate by the no campaign. Mm. That polling also does go to the reasons why people are voting no. And 58% of voters said that it won't make a real difference to the lives of ordinary Indigenous Australians. Celeste, nearly 60% of people believe the voice won't change or improve black lives. Do you agree? I think that that is almost impossible to know. Um, And the reason why it's impossible to know is because literally all we are being asked to vote for at this referendum is whether a voice gets installed in the constitution. The structure of that voice, how it's going to work, who's going to make up the body of the voice, um, how much advice a government will take from the voice, that's legislation and that's all to be determined. So we can't know at this point whether or not it will make a massive difference um, to people. I think that, you know, there's community members that are hopeful that it will. It will get down on the ground and make a real difference in the communities, but there's also some that are sceptical and that's got a long, that well, there's a long political history as to why Aboriginal community members are sceptical of whether governments actually have our best interests at heart. You say that some are sceptical. You've written for The Guardian that you were undecided earlier this year. Are, are you still undecided as to whether you would vote yes or no? Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, I've come to some sort of pragmatic decisions, which I'm not going to go into on a personal front, but I think that 
a lot of what fuels my personal undecided um, public position is the fact that we are being fed a lot of misinformation at this point from the no campaign, sometimes from the yes campaign. Um, I don't think there's a lot of community knowledge as to how this is all going to work. And I think that this is why things like um, misinformation from particularly the regressive no side, but from other sections of the community have been able to penetrate public consciousness and lead to these sorts of polling results. A lot of people are really unaware of what the constitution is, how it works and what we're actually being asked at this point. Larissa, as CEO of GetUp, you are campaigning for yes. Do you agree with that point by Celeste, though, that there's a lot of mob in community who don't understand some of the basic tenets of what we're being asked at this referendum? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, our, our team is out there in community and, and, yeah, that's definitely the feedback that we get in the conversations that we have. Celeste talks about taking pragmatic position and I think there was a lot of pressure on us as an organisation around what we say publicly during this moment and we felt like if we didn't support the affirmative position, we're basically dooming this thing to a loss um, and there is a lot of mistrust of government. So on that level, we felt very conflicted but we felt like we needed to make a decision on how to do this and, and navigate this in the best way. And, and it, we felt like it would be okay for us to kind of work it out out loud. So it's kind of a pragmatic and slightly pessimistic sounding yes, to, to be honest. But what do you say to, you know, the nearly 60% of people who believe that the voice won't make a difference to black lives? I come from a history of activism and protest and campaigning um, for a very long time within my family. And I believe wholeheartedly that black advocacy has power. It is one of the most powerful things that we've ever had. And so when I think about The Voice, I think about you look right now in the media and who has the most platform in terms of First Nations people, and it is people that have platforms that have power, whether it's proximity to government or proximity to money. And so I do believe that mob and grassroots community level, they do need some sort of platform. When you think about the issues that are important to communities, they would want strong speakers in that space. And I think that's what we need. Whether the voice is the right model to do that, that's what what's before mm. us. So, Paul, the government and the Yes campaign say the No campaign is getting too much airtime and they continually point to polling that says more than 80% of First Nations people support the voice. Are they right? Uh, well, I think the Albanese government, uh, the Prime Minister particularly, is upset uh, at the uh, prominence of a few uh, Indigenous Australians in the in the No campaign. Warren Mundine and Jacinta Price has given the impression that it's extremely contested. Now, I know that claim itself is contested and, and I, I know the 80% stat is outdated, uh, but he does feel, and you can hear his frustration in these interviews about the media presentation of it, that too much airtime is given to a sort of conservative no being led by a few prominent campaigners. But, you know, he mm. he's unashamedly campaigning for yes. Celeste, are there enough black voices being heard in this referendum? In the community, um, the Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander community at large, the discussion is really robust. Yet what is dominating the media isn't the robust Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander community discussion. It's it's talking points from conservatives out there. It's misinformation from from certain commentators. A lot of it doesn't actually represent the very real 
conversations that our mobs are having all across the country as to whether this is or isn't the best way forward. What they're saying are things like they don't really trust the government. There's a long history of promises being broken, um, of not being listened to by successive governments. So there's a deep community mistrust. Or we're seeing things like we need to protect our rights first through some sort of treaty agreement or even further than that, we're seeing people really reinforce the concept of sovereignty, saying, well, we've never ceded sovereignty. So the claim that this government um, and their constitution has rights over Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people and we should be included in that is in and of itself offensive. We've got our own understandings of this land, our own legal frameworks that are ancient and and it's about time Australia actually came to the table and started talking about that. So that's not the sorts of arguments that we're seeing play out in the media right now, the complexity of Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander views. Also would say on this is that First Nations people, we have our own governance and um, decision-making and political structures and decision-making structures as well. We've always been a community who's had to strategize and work out where we're going together, which is a sad thing about this is actually I believe that our communities are really capable of coming to a consensus decision. I just don't think that we've had the time in the lead up to this campaign. I would say right now our communities are in a decision-making space where they are talking about something and they haven't formed a firm view on it. You know, we'll come to that decision in our own time. Hopefully it's before referendum day, but it might not be. Next, what do we do if Australia votes no? Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Finding your perfect home was hard, but thanks to Burrow, furnishing it has never been easier. Burrow's easy-to-assemble modular sofas and sectionals are made from premium, durable materials, including stain and scratch-resistant fabrics. So they're not just comfortable and stylish, they're built to last. Plus, every single Burrow order ships free right to your door. Right now, get 15% off your first order at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's 15% off at burrow.com slash ACAST. I want to go to a question or rather a comment from one of our listeners. They say, and I quote, I've been told we will have to pay to go to the beach if the yes vote passes. We get a few comments like this sent in, but this one seems to have a similar message to a certain viral video that was shared by Pauline Hanson and reported in the ABC. Paul, can you tell me a bit about this story? So recently, Pauline Hansen shared this viral video. It's a confrontation between an Indigenous mother and daughter and an elderly white woman uh, in the coastal Queensland town of Poona. Uh, it's got more than 1.5 million views across Facebook, Twitter and TikTok. The woman in the video is heard shouting at a white woman to leave uh, the foreshore, which belongs to the Butchula people, and saying they own these uh, lands to the exclusion of others, uh, which comes under federal native title. 
you might not like it, but guess what? Times are changing. You don't own the land. We do. Get off it, please. And Hanson shared that video on her official Facebook page with the caption, this is just a taste of what is to come if Australians don't stop Anthony Albanese's race-based voice and its treaty. ABC Investigations you know, found the footage that Hanson shared. It was less than half the original length and the, the context of the incident was, was removed. So a very, you know, selective rendering of that. Mm. This video seems pretty important in the context of the fact that 40% of voters believe The Voice gives Indigenous people rights and privileges that other Australians don't have, such as rights to the beach and backyards and many, many other things. We won't be going into fact-checking that really at the moment. It's not true. But one Guardian listener calls this line of thinking the what about me factor. Why does this type of messaging work, Larissa? First of all, First Nations people in this country have inherent rights that the rest of the population do not have. This is our land. We have been here since time immemorial. And that does mean something under our law and legislation. Um, I know the people that were in that video as well, and I understand what was happening, and, and that's right, the kind of context that you're giving to it, Paul. There's always been this zero-sum campaigning around First Nations people in Australia that has been, it's never found to be true. And so this is something that we've always had to come up against, the idea that we have special treatment and special rights uh, in this country is one thing, but also it goes to what people think that we actually deserve as First Nations people. And I think the majority of non-Indigenous people in this country don't know First Nations people other than what you're reading in conservative media, seeing what Pauline Hanson and that sort of stuff is sharing. And it really harks back to, you know, some damaging rhetoric that that really became popularised under Howard as well. I think the scare campaign itself that Hanson is running, like it's a sort of slippery slope argument where, you know, you, you can say that... Uh, the voice can lead to anything under the sun. And, it, it, yeah, it's a sort of desperate throw a lot of paint at the canvas and see what sticks because there doesn't have to be any internal consistency in the reasons that are given to vote against it. Different cohorts of people can latch on to different reasons and so they're sort of flooding the zone with with nonsense. Mm. Celeste, what do you think when you see this type of messaging, gaining popularity, gaining traction throughout the referendum? So many things because, yes, we have been living with it for a long time. I remember being a teenager following the Mabo decision and hearing how safe is your backyard. Um, It has been going on an incredibly long time. The arguments around anything to do with Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people seem to be, oh, it'll give us special rights, it'll give us special privileges. But perhaps this is part of the tension that I feel with the entire referendum and and the voice campaign itself. You know, the the Uluru Statement deals with three things. It's voice, treaty, truth. And truth has been a massive part of what has been missing within, within broader Australia for an incredibly long time. We've got the projects around massacres across this country. Um, we've had truth-telling exercises like the Royal Commission into Aboriginal Deaths in Custody and the Bring Them Home Report. Um, I think that a lot of people in this country actually don't 
have a clue as to how this country did come to be, what has been erased from historical and contemporary narratives when it comes to Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people and our rights, and what sorts of things we need to do to make them correct and to move forward as a healthy nation. So I see a lot of lack of truth, and I think that that's part of a continuum that has been going on for decades around Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people. Mm. On the topic of voice, treaty, truth, I just want to go to you, Larissa. You know, part of your campaign for voting yes is uh, write yes for treaties, yes for truth-telling, and yes for moving forward together. Why do we need a yes for treaties and for truth-telling and for moving forward together? Why does a voice need to become before those, those other things? Our view is that you know, we've done the research on this as well, that I think it's like 54 or 55% of um, people believe that this moment is bigger than the referendum and want to see a national union moment. And national unity isn't going to come through a mechanism in terms of a new democratic institution. It's going to come through a lot of dealing with kind of the real experience of, and lived history in this country and, and who we are as a nation and being able to confront that. So for us, you know, we're for a lot more ambition than what the government is putting forward at this moment. But I also say that even within, you know, if you just look at the Labor Party, there's there's also spectrums within there of what people are supporting as well. So we're saying we're for more because we know in order to, to lift the ambition in this country and actually persuade progressive voters to vote for this thing, we're going to have to say that we're for more than what it is. We've got to campaign for that. The government's not just going to give it to us. So part of the point here in voting yes for Get Up is creating a moment of national unity. But would you say that that's happening, Larissa and Celeste, in this referendum process so far? It's not happening in the process and that's our critique on how the the yes campaign has prosecuted the case to go through for a yes. You need to lift it higher than than what we're asking in order to get the bare minimum. Um, That's always been a factor within in First Nations campaigning. If you look at history and and you you study how we win and why we win. So going for more is always more important in order to kind of get the base level of what we need. That's one part of it. Celeste? I don't think we're seeing a national unity so far. We're seeing a lot of fragmentation. As I've said, we're seeing misinformation. Um, I'm not seeing a popular movement to to work towards recognising Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander rights. And I feel like there's a lot of education and knowledge building that needs to happen in order for that to happen um, Mm. or to be successful rather. The national unity moment is something that non-Indigenous people want. First Nations people want self-determination and control of their own lives and destinies, and that's a, that's a different thing. But also that's not a special right. I would argue that lots of people in this country have access to that and uniquely is withheld from First Nations people. Mm. We've spoken about two of the big reasons that people are voting no, as per the Guardian Essential Poll, but there are a lot of other reasons why people are voting no or are undecided. Liberal MP Julian Lisa said on this podcast recently that he's concerned that people may tune out of the referendum process because of the cost of living crisis, because people are, you know, struggling day in, day out and not engaging in some of these bigger ideas. Paul, is the economic situation, could it be a deciding factor here? I think so. Uh, So I think Anthony Albanese's uh, theory of the case is that there's a lot of misinformation around. So if we can just explain uh, what the voice is to people, that that will be reassuring to them and then that will move them from undecided to yes. But I think the dynamic that has developed is that, that the government's campaign for the voice has become 
a victim of the terrible economic circumstances of very high inflation, of 12 interest rate rises in a row, uh, and of very high rents, where people are not in a very good uh, frame of mind to be thinking about more abstract things like constitutional recognition. Sad to say, you know, non-Indigenous Australians uh, don't seem to have a huge generosity of spirit at the moment. I'm worried that the dynamic that is developing is that it's not the more people hear about it, uh, the more reassured and the better they feel. It's the more people hear about it, the more, you know, some people complain that it's an inappropriate level of focus on this, on this one issue from the government and, you know, what have they done for me lately? I just feel like this question is being decided at a really bad time for, for the government. It's just not ideal that it's it's come when it has. Larissa, as an experienced campaigner, how do you change minds and speak to people about big issues when times are tough? Yeah, we have this adage in campaigning. It's like when you're explaining, you're losing you're getting lost in the detail. And really it's not the facts that drive people. So in order to reach people, you need to do things that kind of cut across and cut through the the kind of noise right now. And so we talk about mobilising around values because values can kind of go across political lines. People can believe in the value of self-determination, the idea of like whoever you are, regardless of income, your race, where you grew up, that you should have the right to make decisions about your own life. Don't be a constitutional lawyer. Don't try and be an expert at what the detail is and what the government's saying because the detail is there and it also isn't there in a, in a bunch of different reasons and it doesn't help. Mm. So what does help is actually going out to people and talking about why you're thinking about supporting this and actually explaining your reasoning behind it. And that might be because you believe in in people making decisions about themselves, but you don't actually have to make the government's argument around the actual constitutional change and those types of things. So moving to a more simple base reasoning around why you personally support this thing. And that could be, it could be in line with your political values and those types of things, or your support for First Nations people. All those are persuasive reasons to say that you're for this thing. Celeste, we did have a listener send in a question specifically for you. They asked, does voting no just maintain the status quo? And do you have an alternate solution? I mean, what would you like to see the day after Australia potentially votes no? What's your call to action? Um, does voting no maintain the status quo? I think that, to be honest, whether people vote yes or they vote no, to a degree we will be maintaining the status quo. But either way the vote goes, um, Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people are still going to have a bit of a fight on our hands. So we're not voting on the structure of the voice at this referendum. We're not voting on whether it's representative or we're not voting on whether the government's going to listen to it. We are voting that it's going to be there. So if the referendum is successful and if we do get a voice embedded, then that voice is going to have to fight this government and successive governments to ensure that it's heard every step of the way. If we vote no, then what we're going to have to do is, again, you know, look to Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander community members and start to mobilise around issues that are still going to be outstanding. So things like self-determination, like treaties, like truth-telling agendas and everything else. Paul, does the government have a plan for if Australia votes no? It's not something that they go into publicly at all because they don't want to be accused of 
ignoring the will of a referendum. Um, they don't want to appear to be preparing the ground to lose. They just want to try and maximise the yes vote and focus on that. If I had to speculate in terms of what would happen if it goes down, I think in the medium term you could see a shift to symbolic recognition and a legislated voice uh, instead of the voice in the constitution, but not this term. It would, ha- it would have to be something that happens years later. And I suspect it's something that you would have to have bipartisan support for. You couldn't go to an election with the opposition smashing the government for having uh, disregarded the will of this vote. Larissa, some have suggested that the government should legislate a voice anyway if Australia votes no. Others say that, yes, campaigners should move directly to calling for a treaty. What will GetUp be calling for if Australia votes no? We've been meeting with a bunch of First Nations people uh, really thinking about the strategy around the day after the referendum. And Mm. honestly, that strategy is about a mitigation strategy, like how do we make sure the things that we have on the table right now stay on the table, the reforms that are really important to our communities, and how are we able to move forward? You win and lose campaigns, but it would make a significant difference to the psyche of the country. And so for us, I don't want to see a no vote. We were in Cairns recently with one of the uncles and he said this thing around that really resonated me around the kind of status quo argument. And he said, if you vote yes, maybe something will happen. We could make something out of this. If you vote no, the people who are saying no, think about this. If you think the status quo is okay for our communities, then you don't know anyone within our communities. Because the status quo right now, we're going backwards. And so he said the way that he interpreted a no vote is just that it was cruel. How can you do that to First Nations people and feel like, you know, as a nation, you want First Nations to be represented within this country? Like, what does it say to us uniquely as First Nations people if people vote no? Paul, Larissa, Celeste, thank you so much for joining us. Cheers. Thank you. Thank you. That was Larissa Baldwin-Roberts, CEO of GetUp, writer Celeste Little and Guardian Australia's chief political correspondent, Paul Karp. I do recommend reading Celeste's opinion piece on why she is undecided, titled, I remain undecided on the Indigenous voice to Parliament and I'm exhausted. we link to that on the full story page. For the latest news on The Voice, head to theguardian.com. This episode was produced by me, Phoebe McIlwraith, and Camille Hannon, who also did the sound design and mixing. The executive producer is Miles Martignoni. I'm Laura Murphy-Oates. Thanks for listening. Tired of ads barging into your favourite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. The EY Tech Connect podcast brings you candid conversations about the most pressing priorities facing tech, media and entertainment, and telecommunications companies, and provides strategic insights on the key issues that matter to them, including topics such as the top 10 opportunities in tech, the next generation of gaming, the future of connectivity and content, and the latest talent strategies. The EY Tech Connect podcast is out now. Download today from wherever you get your podcasts.